Joe, I got to tell you, it's great to have the workout anytime on board 5460 as one of our sponsors. Many of our listeners already know that workout anytime as their hometown club where they can work out on their schedule 24 seven. Others might be aware that workout anytime is a great business opportunity as well. That's right, Mike. Workout Anytime is one of the top 200 fastest growing franchises in the country. And they've been at this for more than 20 years. And they're currently in 22 different states. And they're internationally in Honduras and Costa Rica. How about that? You know what? Opening up a gym is becoming a real big part. How about $30 billion in health and fitness industry is what you're talking about this year. Never has it been any easier to invest in Workout Anytime franchise. Joe, you know you and I or one in five American adults that have a fitness membership? Yeah, I did know that. As a matter of fact, and I'm told that number is expected to nearly double in the next 10 years. I know these folks that work out anytime, and I have known them for a long time. They're so passionate about the industry, and their franchises rave about the support that they give the company. Well, here's a great business tip. Go to WorkoutAnytimeFranchise.com and learn more. And while you're there, you can see the map of available locations and find out how you can arrange an initial phone conversation to hear more about the proven Workout Anytime business model. That's WorkoutAnytimeFranchise.com. Welcome to 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Featuring former Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. For six decades, no one has seen more baseball than Joe West. And now he shares those stories with you every week right here on the Podcast Heat Network. Now listen, Joe West is asking the Reds to leave the field. I guess maybe as a form of security. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the, the catcher. So what is he doing? He, he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Who, which guy are we talking about backing away? Well, come to think of it, hey, it's both guys. <laughs> Somebody's been tossed, and here comes Cox. It was Bobby Cox who threw the helmet out there. Off the umpire, oh. and that's a foul ball. Joe West gets drilled, and he appears none the worse for it. <laughs> He's a strong man. Nice. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, "Why do you do?" Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? Yeah. Just get over there and umpire. No. That's all. It's 5460. The Joe West Podcast. Here's Joe West and your host, Mike Claiborne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of 5460. It's the Joe West Podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne, and we have a fun show for you today because, Joe, it's you and me talking about the game. So much to talk about after this 2022 season. So first off, let me ask you. What did you like about 2022? This is the first time you've ever had a chance to sit back and take in baseball games of this size. So what did you like? I think the greatest part of it is nobody yelled at me all year. It was <laughs> not even you, your wife? Only you and Joe Roderick yelled at me about not having my equipment ready when it was time to go. <laughs> so it, it was a nice, nice summer. I didn't get yelled at all year, and I didn't have a single ejection. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and you never missed a call. I never missed one. Of course, I never missed one anyway. I didn't call them all right, but I was out there for all of them. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, um, one of the things that stood out to me, not just the game itself, but the, the umpires. We saw a lot of umpires, a lot of new faces in the game this year. Uh, we had some injuries. We've had some guys that had to win concussion protocol. And we had a lot of retirements and, and guys who weren't able to finish the season. I have to tell you, I really like what I saw from some of the young umpires this season. 
there, there's a lot of outstanding young umpires coming up. And <clears throat> we talked about this before. Some of them get so, so brokenhearted when they send them back to the minor leagues, when the veterans come back from an injury or uh, a vacation or whatever, and it just breaks their heart. But <clears throat> I don't think they realize their time's coming because we have a lot of quality young umpires coming up. And I, I'm really excited. You were talking about one the other day that I had for about a week and uh, Rich Reeker called and said, we, we're going to send him back down to give somebody else a look. And uh, it crushed him. And uh, I said, don't, don't feel bad. You've done a good job. You did everything right. There's nothing you've done wrong. They're just giving someone else a chance to look at. And you got to realize that baseball can't look at these kids until they get them under fire. It's kind of like you, you can't see how well they're going to do until they get under the real pressure of the major leagues. And well, so he came back this year, and he's done very well. You he did recall. a really nice job. I'm talking about Randy Rosenberg, who I had a chance to see uh, late in the season. But, you know, I kind of equate umpires going up and down like you would a player. You know, players get sent back to the minor leagues after they the team gets a look at them, but they always tell them to stay ready. And I've watched some teams this year call guys up and down throughout the year when because they needed them for a role. And if you're ready, Joe – uh, they're going to find a place for you to play. And I think the same thing I would think would apply for umpires as well. Yeah, but they could just get these old guys like me to retire. <laughs> There'd be a place for them to work, you know. But, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. But it, it crushes them, and I, I see it and I feel for them. But I keep saying, don't worry, you'll be back because you've done a great job and you just keep keep plugging. And, it, and it's tough to do because you feel like it's a demotion when it really isn't. You, you've been lucky to get up here and get a chance to show what you can do. You know, one of the other things that I noticed this year, we had a lot of umpires with injuries, uh, a lot of foul balls, uh, concussions, things of that nature. Uh, is that something you're concerned about? Because it seems like with the velocity we're seeing pitchers throw, these foul balls are coming back uh, and you don't have time to react. You're just going to have to take one. Is that Does that concern you at all at this point? And, and what do you think they could do in order to make it a little safer for umpires? Well, some of it is the positioning of the umpires. The closer you get to the middle of the plate, the faster that ball is going to come off the bat because the ball comes off the outside cylinder of that bat much faster than it does the inside cylinder of the bat. And that's why the umpires work over the inside shoulder. And the, and the best example I can give you, if you see a foul ball go on the upper deck, the pitcher couldn't have possibly thrown it up there. And the hitter's swinging the bat the other way, but because – the outside cylinder of the bat's moving faster than the inside cylinder of the bat. The ball's going to go all the way up into the upper deck. So the umpire has to really work over the inside shoulder or over the inside corner of the plate. That's why the umpire's there and not straight over the catcher. Most of our concussions in, in baseball umpiring have been with the umpires that wore the balloon, that big outside chest pit, because they work right over the top of the catcher's head. And when they get hit with a foul ball, it, it killed them. Of course, Richie Garcia swore, oh, we didn't get any more concussions back then than we did today. And I'm, I'm saying, well, Richie, you were so hard-headed. You're just like me. <laughs> you just didn't admit it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He just doesn't remember <laughs> because he had enough foul balls that took yeah. him out. Yeah. Uh, but it, that's something that we're seeing a little bit more of uh, the concussions. And, and hopefully, uh, as you mentioned, positioning, that's something maybe that needs to be stressed to some of these younger umpires down the road. Uh, because we want to see them have successful careers and not have them cut short because they took too many foul balls. Well, uh, we've had guys whose careers were cut short. Uh, Larry Poncino and Greg Bonet. Rich Rieger was one whose career mm -hmm. was cut short for, for getting hit too many times in the head. And, uh, but, uh, you know, baseball's concussion protocol is state-of-the-art. It's so far ahead. It's ahead of footballs because uh, Mark Latant put that program together years ago and he kept it going and, and you have to take a concussion protocol test before they let you come back on the field. Well, that's something we're seeing the other leagues start to follow suit in. So hopefully we can keep some guys safe. All right. We've got a lot of things to talk about with regard to the season, but I also want to talk about postseason as well. Uh, what's that like for umpires? And I'm sure people want to know, well, why did this guy end up being part of the playoff crew? And we're going to have a lot of umpires working this year. And that's the other good thing. So how do guys get selected and how do they get selected for deep, different levels of postseason? Well, I think, I think a lot of it has to do on how well they've done during the year, what kind of uh, protocol they've shown and 
how they handle situations. Uh, I, when I was president of the unit, I had an umpire call me one time. He says, you know, I didn't get any of the postseason, and I didn't miss a call. And my, my zone evaluation score was over 97. And he said, but I didn't, I didn't get the playoffs, but I didn't miss a call. How do I not get the playoffs? And I just out of the blue said, well, how many ejections did you miss? Hmm. And it was just like that. It was silence. And, uh, he said, well, I probably could have done. I said, well, see, that's part of it, too. Just because it looks negative that you've had to kick somebody out of the game doesn't mean you shouldn't have kicked them out. And they look at that, too. So you have to be able to control the game and take, you know, take your job the way it's supposed to be done. They're going to look at it. Is he going to be able to work in the league championship? Is he going to be able to work in the World Series? Is he going to have the intestinal fortitude to take charge when it, when it needs to be done? So there's a, a whole lot of variables in this, and you 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 have to think that this is not going to be easy to put this guy in here, this guy in here, because there's so many variables and so many different personalities and so many different ways these are treated. The ball players sit over there on the bench and they say, "Can I argue with this guy? Uh, what can I say to him? Is, is this guy going to uh, bite my head off if I turn around and argue balls and strike?" They know all that. Well, so does Major League Baseball, and they want people that can run the game and run the game smoothly. And sometimes being tough at your job makes it easier for you to run the game smoothly. You know, another issue that comes into play, um, we talk about the selection process. What about replay officials? How is that handed out? Well, that's done the same way. Sometimes they sometimes they'll put people in there because they're not physically able to come back and work the postseason. Uh, and th- there's there's times that, okay, well, he can't work the postseason, but he's a decent replay. If you, when I mean decent, it, it's uh, it's the kind of guy that will look at the replay and, and, and weigh everything that's happened in the replay and say, he's a good replay official, so we need to put him in there. So they, they're selected the same way. They grade people on their replay performance, just like they grade the umpires on the field, their home plate performance. So that's that's done just as statistically as everything else. And you got to realize, I hear all the time, oh, the umpires have to be responsible. They have to take, you know, take the good with a bit. Well, they do because they're graded on every pitch they call and they're graded on every play they call. So it's it's a different it's a different animal than it was years ago when. Uh, and it's kind of funny because you're talking about going into the playoffs. You know, when back in the early seventies baseball negotiated with the umpires and the umpires put in a rotation system where no umpire could work that playoff event until every umpire on the staff at the time he worked it works that same playoff event. So if you worked the world series, you couldn't work it again until everybody on the staff worked it. Mm. It was like a seven or eight year cycle before you could work the world series again. Okay. So then baseball in their highly intelligent marketing decided, well, we'll just put the best umpires in there the, to the beginning. So the first world series they had, they had six crew chiefs working. They took their top guys and put them all in the first world series. So the second world series, they couldn't put them in there because of contractual obligations to the collective bargaining group. So they put the next six in there. Well, it didn't take long until they ran out of crew chiefs. So now they get to the Cincinnati Reds and the Boston Red Sox in the middle 70s. And they got six umpires they had to pick. And not one of them was a crew chief. Not one. So they had six umpires working the World Series. Three from the American League, three from the National League, and none of them were crew chiefs. Right? One of the most exciting World Series you ever saw. (laughs) And these guys, I mean, they were novices because most of them, it was their first one. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Well, that didn't happen again until I want to say 92 when baseball was picking them on the basis of skill and merit and everything. And everybody that worked that World Series in 92, none of them were crew chiefs. Now, there were two or three of them that had worked the World Series before, but none of them were crew chiefs. So it went full circle from like the middle 70s to 92 before it happened again. And it's never happened since. There's always going to be senior guys in that World Series because baseball can pick who they want to as long as they don't pick the same umpire two years in a row. 
And I put that in there when I was president of the union because I didn't think it was right that it, they would pick the same umpire year after year after year. Not only that, it takes the morale out of wanting to work the World Series because if you if you start the season and say, well, I've got no chance to work the World Series, why would I care? And you didn't want that to happen either. Joe, I'll never figure out why somebody sells for blog coffee every day. Just being one click away, you'll have some of the best coffee you'll ever find with Trade Coffee. You can start every morning with something special. Mike, that's right. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before. They partner with the top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. The Trade Coffee team, well, they do all the work. They taste hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month, and they curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The trade team actually worked with me to create my own custom collection. So if you want your coffee to taste great, but not too strong, go check out my collection at Trade. But you don't have to like what I picked. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or by flavor profile. Or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your favorite tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You only have to do one thing. You have nothing to lose. Trade guarantees you will love the first bag. And if not, they'll work out with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at your home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trey is offering listeners a total of $30 off of your first order, plus shipping is free at drinktrade.com slash Joe West. That's drinktrade.com slash Joe West for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. Well, so, the, other, the other thing that would come into play on this, something like that, and I think you, you're right about the morale aspect, but how does a guy who's up and coming get any postseason experience if they're going to run the same guys out there every year? And and that's another point. You you have to you have to develop the experience of guys getting trickled in every now. You know, so you'll have two crew chiefs, two senior guys, and then the first two guys, the last two guys, maybe you know their first time ever in the World Series or their second time. But you have to develop the experience through that process, and you have to look down the road as the when this is going to happen, you know, I, I can remember Dan Isonia's first world series and they brought this camera crew around, you know, talking to us about your experience of being selected for the world series. And he actually broke down and cried because he was so excited to get picked for it. And now Dan Isonia is a crew chief and he's one of our senior umpires. And that's a good thing, you know, but you have to start somewhere and you have to develop that ability to work those kinds of events. So, that's a good thing. This is the 5460, the Joe West podcast, along with Joe West. I'm Mike Claiborne. And Joe, in baseball, uh, for fans who don't know, once the regular season is over, they don't get any more paychecks. Everything goes into the postseason money pool, and each player gets a share, depending on how he's voted. Uh, and with every level that you excel in and every level you grow in, you get more money along the way. And we've seen that now go mid six figures, uh, $400,000 is what you can see a guy can make if he gets all the way through the World Series. How does it work for umpires? Are they paid on a per game basis or is it a pool that they share in like the uh, like Major League Baseball? Well, it's, it's both. There's a um, like I said, when, when this all started, you're on that rotation basis. So every. Every third or fourth year or sixth year, you were getting that World Series check or the league championship check and all that stuff. But back in the late 70s, early 80s, we negotiated a package where they would put a playoff pool together to pay every umpire, whether you worked it or not. That way, if you were on the staff, and I think the first one was a $20,000 pool, but it's it, since – with, with our leadership from our, our great union presidents, we've already moved it up to 35000 anyway, <laughs> uh, The point being that every umpire is going to get played a share of the playoff money, and baseball can pick who they want to work the World Series or the, the league championship or the division. And that takes some of the, the crushing blowout of not getting picked for it. But still, they, they want it in, in the pride of their job. They want to be picked for the, 
league championship or the world series or the divisionals, you know, you know, the toughest games. And I've said this all along. In fact, one of my biggest arguments with Manfred in the contract negotiations was over these one game playoffs, like the wild card. Well, my biggest argument was Manfred was they had, they let's say two teams tied at the end of the season, which they've done away with this completely because they go back to, to how they've played against each other during the season. But back then, if two teams tied, you had to have a one-game playoff. And they didn't really want to pay you any money to work the one-game playoff. And I said, Rob, this one-game playoff is a windfall for baseball because they have another television event where everybody gets paid and you don't want to pay the umpires. And, of course, they were paying them something like $1,000. I said, you you work the All-Star game and no one really cares who wins that and you're paying them like $7,500. So if we don't get what you get for the all-star game, we're not working those one game playoffs. He said, okay, okay. <laughs> and that's, that's how we got the money for like the wild card games and the one game playoffs was because we showed them that they're much more important than the all-star game. As big a ticket item as that all-star game is it for them to make money for it's, it's a much harder game to work. The one game playoff back when it determined whether you went to the playoffs that's harder than the seventh game of the World Series. Because like you said, if you're in the World Series, you're part of that playoff pool. But if you don't get there, you don't get the money. You know, I, probably the toughest playoff I ever worked, I was in Puerto Rico. And I'm working the championships for the Puerto Rico. Now this is in 1970, what, 76, 77? Well, the, the winning team got $6,000. The losing team got nothing. Winner take all, huh? That's it. That'd be like wow. putting that'd be like to put two boxers in the ring and whoever wins takes all the money. The loser gets nothing. Well, that's a completely different kind of game to work now. <laughs> and, yeah. and those kind of games are tougher to work than the World Series. You know, the World Series is is so unique. You've got the best teams, the teams that are playing the best at the time. That's why they're there, is because they're playing better than everybody else at the time. Those games are not as hard to work as a one-game playoff where they're fighting for their life. So, and there's a lot more tension in a one-game playoff. Now, I'm not saying there's not any tension in in the seventh game of the World Series because there certainly is. But you take like the Dodgers and and the Cardinals last year in the wild card game. There, that was intense. Those those games are much, and you were there. You you saw it, and. Uh, and I, 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 that was my last game ever was that game. And, you know, I was, I was just as tired mentally coming off the field, much tired, more tired mentally coming off the field, hoping I didn't make a mistake than I was physically. So those, those are the toughest games, the, the division. And I'll say it again, the divisionals are harder than the league championship. The league championship games are harder than the World Series because there's so much at stake to get to that pinnacle at the top. Hey, Joe, tell our listeners what you told me about the all-natural B1 sports performance and wellness patch that's revolutionizing sports nutrition. Fans, there's no more sugary energy drinks or extra caffeine for an energy boost. The B1 patch is fast-acting, it's body heat activated, and proudly made here in the United States. It's a must-have if you're out on the golf course or on the go or just patching up your future major leaguers. Feel good about using this 100% all-natural B1 patch from USA National Patches. It's easy to apply, worn by over 200 athletes, and is the official patch of 78 Division I schools. And, Mike, I personally used the B1 patch for years, and they've made a a real difference in my life. Visit buyb1.com and enter the code umpire to buy B1 and get one free. I really want you to try these, and I want all our listeners to try it. You'll be glad you did. It's the B1 patch. Don't compete without it. That's buyb1.com. Enter the code umpire and buy one and get one free. Well, I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, the That deciding game on whether you continue to play, I think, has a more emotional draw than game seven because win or lose, that's the last game. We're not playing any more baseball after this. So whatever happens, happens. But, man, you lose a a playoff round, that's a whole different ball game from an emotional standpoint. All right, so let me run this by you. Um, 
because of replay, we can kind of judge things a little bit better, get a better viewpoint on certain things. We have replay officials. But also in postseason, we have six referee, uh, six umpires. We have guys that work the left field line and the right field line. These games are important. There's no doubt about it. But are they more important than a, a three-game series where you're fighting to get into the playoffs? So if we want to make sure that we're officiating this game in a proper manner, do we include umpires to work the lines during the season? Or do we turn over the replay situation and refine that to the point where you can call it foul affair or is it a home run or not? Well, that's that's one of the reasons that you can go to uh, replay for boundary calls. It's because you don't have the right and left field umpire during the season. However, you forget where the right and left field umpire came from. They, they worked, they worked a world series one time and, and one of the umpires became ill and they didn't have enough umpires to fill the staff on the field. So of course the umpire said, well, then you should have an alternate, somebody waiting in the wings. And of course the owner said, well, if, if I got to pay them, then they got to be on the field. <laughs> That's where they came from. It didn't, it didn't really, it didn't really come from, okay, we got to put them out there to watch that ball in the right field corner. But and that's that's actually what happened. That's how they had outfield umpires. But it was, and you got to remember when they did it, it was because of the World Series because they didn't have the league championship and the divisional playoffs at the time. But the the uniqueness of this, and we we've actually had it where Larry Barnett got sick, and uh, Bruce Fremming was in the press box, and they took him out of the press box and put him on the field to work a playoff game. He was actually working for the media in the playoffs. And they took him out of the press box and put him on the field so they'd have enough umpires to work the game. And and that, I mean, that's that's like saying, well, you only got nine players. If somebody gets hurt, you can't have a shortstop. We're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, that's why you have a player sitting on the bench so you can fill that position if someone gets hurt or you want to change something in the lineup. So, I think, and, and again, umpiring, when you negotiate things, it's, it's on the back burner because it's not that important to the owners until something happens. And it's, yeah. really, it's really amazing. The, the, the owners don't know who, who you are until you've got until a rain, not around. Yeah, until you, right. you got a rain situation and you're about to call the game off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how difficult, speaking of rain outs and rain delays, how difficult do you think it will be next year? with the balanced schedule you're going to play everybody so you don't have the makeup games where you can go back to a city in some some sense situations unless it's in your own division how do you think that's going to work especially if you're an umpire and you got a rain delay you're not chartering in most cases so you have to leave with the team i mean you have to leave and, and fly commercial what do you think that's going to do to the game where we'll have longer rain delays or will they come up with something and set a makeup day for teams to, to try and play double headers or make up a game that got lost due to weather? Well, when they do this, you're going to have more off days too. So they'll be able to, to move it around where they can meet somewhere and play the game. I mean, just like this incident where the hurricane went up the East coast. I mean, they have to adjust. I mean, I've, I've had it where, uh, we've had to fly with ball clubs to get out of a hurricane situation. In fact, it happened in Tampa where we had to fly out of uh, St. Petersburg, the private airport in St. Petersburg. We had to fly with the, the Blue Jays to get out of there because of the storm, because the commercial flights weren't going. <laughs> so that that happens and, and they'll adjust and they'll get things fixed. And uh, and and don't don't forget that Major League Baseball has some charter flights they can put together because Two years ago, they sent us a charter plane to fly to Atlanta during the pandemic because uh, we couldn't get to the playoff game unless we flew on this charter. So that happens. They'll be able to adjust. They're pretty, they're pretty resilient about getting things done. But you're right. When you start playing across country, you got to be very careful how you schedule it. And uh, I can remember one year that Blake Cullen was in charge of the scheduling. And he decided we're going to start every game on the West Coast because it never rains out there. And we're going to play in the Astrodome because it never rains there and so on. So he set up everything to start on the West Coast. Yeah, I remember that. Was that 1985, I believe, or 84? Yeah, it was something like that because they got they got rained out. Yeah. Five games out there. <laughs> and 
And uh, they lost all kinds of games. They had to come back and play doubleheaders. Of course, everybody's mad. But that's a fluke. And and when you try to you try to outsmart nature, that's what happens to you. <laughs> so, but it was a good idea. It just didn't work. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by CarShield, who makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. CarShield is the number one auto protection company in the U.S. and offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. Let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic. And CarShield's administrators handle all the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or the headaches. You're taken care of. The same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through CarShield also include coast-to-coast roadside assistance. CarShield administrators are there for you with rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. Get coverage today and you'll lock up your price now and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising cost of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs, and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com podcast. A deductible may apply. All right, let's talk about Joe West and his his postseason career. Um, tell me about when a when you found out you were going to be involved in postseason and what was that like for you? Well, I was really lucky because I came to the big leagues at such a young age, and I actually worked my first playoff game before I was thirty. I was at the I worked the league championship series in the, in Los Angeles and Montreal, and uh, when the the Dodgers beat the Expos in five games, and and it was it was really funny. And you know, here I am, an upstart young kid, and uh, we're walking the field at Dodger Stadium because that's what you do in the playoffs. You walk so that you know all the ground rules, the nooks and crannies, the ball could hit, and all that stuff. And and I'm walking down on the field, and and I heard this later from the the PR guy from the Dodgers. He said, Walter O'Malley called down and said, get that cowboy off the field. Who the hell is he? And uh, Bob Smith said, well, that's one of the umpires, Mr. O'Malley. That's Joe West. He said, okay, just let him walk. Everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm working in the, the Dodgers and the, and the Expos. I might have been the youngest guy on the field, and I'm working the playoffs. And, of course, I, it was only a five-game series, so I went – left field, right field, third, second, first. I never worked on plate, but it was a great experience because you you felt the intensity of everything that was going on. And uh, it was it was really unique. And uh, I, I think I've told you this before. Uh, Rick, Mundy, Rick Mundy hit that home run to, to beat the Expos. And I, I made him a Dodger for life. Oh, <laughs> on the field and off the field. You're right. He still won their fine broadcasts yeah. with he and Charlie Steiner. Yeah, he uh, he had two of the greatest events in, in the history of baseball. One was stealing that flag from the guy that was trying to burn the flag in, in the outfield at Wrigley Field. And the other was uh, his home run against uh, uh, the, the Expos in that playoff game. In fact, I think it went over Terry Francona's head. I think Terry Francona was the right fielder. So. Hey. You know, for you as an umpire, uh, and we talk about the emotion that postseason brings about, what's it like for an umpire to be on the field for a bang-bang play? Maybe it's a walk-off home run or something that's that we don't see a great deal of. How do umpires control their emotion? Because they get caught up in the game also. Well, yeah, and, and, and I've said this many times before. I, the, the greatest part of being an umpire is you're part of baseball history every day. Every day. Some days the history is a little bit bigger than others. Uh, like the home run that beat the Cardinals in that wild card game. That's pretty big, you know. And uh, and I had Willie McCovey's 500th home run, and I didn't know it till I read it on the scoreboard. <laughs> and I was at first base for Nolan Ryan's fifth no-hitter. And the next day there were 
there were baseballs in our locker from Nolan Ryan. Thank you very much, Nolan Ryan, career fifth no-hitter. But, you know, we didn't ask for that. He sent them over, you know, and you look back on all these these little things that have happened, you, and at the time you go, wow, that's really something. And then you look back on it, now this is 40 years later, you go, wow, that was really cool, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you're and, thinking, did that really happen? <laughs> And you know what, Joe? I'll tell you something. We saw some things this year in the season that we won't see again. Uh, we won't see two a, a pitcher and a catcher combined for over 325 starts. Uh, we won't see another 700 home run hitter. No. We won't see a guy who has the record uh, for second most RBIs in a career. Uh, so there were a lot of firsts and lasts uh, that we had a chance to see this year. And I, as you mentioned, every day an umpire is part of history. And for those guys who are on the field, that's something I'm sure they won't forget. No, no. And you know what? Uh, just the best example is when Albert hit those home runs, the, the other team saluted him. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's just, you know, that's just the classiness of the sport. This is, uh, it, it's kind of funny, you know, because I've always said, that baseball is kind of a roughneck sport where uh, the toughest guy always wins. <clears throat> but I always say this, you know, golf and tennis were gentlemen's games. And then they let the Americans in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, baseball has never been a gentleman's game. No, we, we've established that right off the bat. You're, you're some, absolutely right. Something about making that happen is just a tremendous uh, – Tremendous feat, and he was applauded by the team that was playing him. So that's just awesome. You know, you look at things like that. All right, let's talk about your career postseason. I'm sure you were involved in some sort of controversy somewhere along the way, not necessarily something you may have been in, in the middle of, but you <laughs> certainly were on the field for some things that probably we don't see on a regular basis. Well, um, probably the, the most uh, looked at, uh, play was between the Red Sox and the Yankees where Alex Rodriguez slapped at the glove and knocked the ball out of Bronson Roy's hands. And, and, uh, and we had to change it because, uh, uh, Rodriguez interfered with the pitcher trying to make a tag. You can't reach out with your hand and, and try to pull the ball out of the guy's glove. You can slide into him, you can run over him, but you can't reach out and, and do what Alex did. So, and it happened in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> um, I went down to the first base umpire and, and I said, Randy, did you see the guy reach in and try to take the ball? That was it. And of course he didn't because there were like three people converging on him at the same time. So about the time I got there, the right field umpire came down and said, yeah, Randy, that that's what happened. So we had to change that. And, uh, when we called Alex Rodriguez out, he's standing on second base and Jeter had scored on the play. And so we had to put him back at first base. And, uh, and of course, Yankee Stadium erupted. They threw stuff at us. Somebody threw their car keys at the third base umpire. And it was a BMW <laughs> set of car keys. So we should have gone through the parking lot trying to find Just trying to see which one it was. Yeah, but anyway, but uh, that's probably – one of the most famous things you can probably remember. We changed that call and they threw everything at us. But then the next day, when we took the field, the people in Yankee Stadium actually gave us a small applause. They there was it wasn't a standing ovation, but it was like an applause when we came out because we got to play right. And it helped that the media took up for us and said we got it right. So uh, that's that's the kind of thing that you look back on and say, Geez, I never got an ovation from the home team for calling something against them. <laughs> so, yeah, good point. Very but good uh, point. There, there's a – I worked my – the first wild card game. It was the first wild card game ever. I think it was Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. And we actually had a replay in it, which was the first replay in a wild card game. And, and we confirmed that the umpire called the play right and so on and so on. But, the, the little things like that, you don't you look back on it and you don't really realize how important they were in the scope of everything. But the, the point is, you have to call it the way it is. And uh, and uniquely, uh, we were lucky that, you know, and I've been very lucky in all the postseason things I've had. I haven't had one of these hiccups where 
it was a disaster. You know, I haven't had the play like Don Denkinger had at first base with the Cardinals World Series. And the, and the uniqueness of that is, you know, Don actually asked me one day, he says, where were you when you were negotiating replay when I was working? <laughs> but, uh, and, and again, you, you have to be lucky. Um, of course, you have to be good just to get there, but you have to be lucky not to have that crazy play where you're out of position or someone takes you out of position. And, and it's, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate for that. I mean, I look back on all these things and I, I'm thinking, you know, my, I had five wildcard games and, uh, and they were, you know, they were all kind of different. Here's, here's one game, uh, Atlanta, Cincinnati, 13 innings and Atlanta won one to nothing. And the Reds left 13 runners on base, Mm. 13 innings. And they left 13 runners on base, couldn't score. And then the next day it was a, it was a best two out of three. And, uh, the Reds didn't score again. Atlanta beat them five to five to nothing and one to nothing, you know, and you look back on those and say, any little thing could happen. I remember working the world series in between uh, the white Sox and the Astros and the white Sox beat them four in a row, but the Astros were four swings of the bat from being ahead in every game, every game they were in the game, and had the guy not flied out or hit into a double play or whatever, it could have been completely different. And that, that White Sox team, they had the best starting rotation of anybody in baseball at the time. And the Astros had uh, Roger Clemens and a cast of people that were almost as good. And they were just one swing of the bat in every game from being ahead. And you look back on those things and you go, wow, this is – this is pretty impressive. How did, how did the White Sox win every one of those? I mean, it wasn't – and you look back and say, oh, they killed them. No, they didn't kill them. They just beat them, you know. So, and and it's hard to it's hard to put that in perspective that they were so close and yet they got beat four games in a row. And then hey. – um, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. What are you going to say? Well, I, I'm, I'm just saying that the baseball is, is such a, a, a funny game when, when you look at it uh, – I remember I had a, a division series in the, in Milwaukee, Arizona and Milwaukee was the division series back in oh, 2011, I think. Anyway, the two managers, it was their first year ever managing. It was Kirk Gibson and Craig Council. And both of them made the playoffs. How big an event is that for those guys? Guys, it's time to bring that summer heat back into the bedroom. That's right. Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet and at the fraction of a cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead and be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of our licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no doctor's office visits, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the United States and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? Yeah, it's time to get off the couch and back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, you need BlueChew.com. Women say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and BlueChew can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you can benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, BlueChew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code Joe West at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Joe West, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluechew for sponsoring this podcast. Well, you know, you know I'm thinking about that now. You look at St. Louis and Oliver Marmel, that's 36 his, years old, uh, not only 
um, not only is a, has a winning team, he wins the division in his first time turning in lineup cards. Yeah. So that, and that's something they won't soon forget. No, and he'll, he'll remember that the rest of his life. And it, and and he had one of the greatest seasons ever, just for historical purposes. Yeah, he saw a lot. You're right. Hey, speaking of the White Sox, Tony Larusa announced that he's retiring due to health reasons. Um, so I'll ask you two questions here. Your your relationship with him as a manager, and also when you think about managers who knew the rules, uh, as well as the umpires, and maybe there's a guy, I remember Gene Mock being known to be that guy. Who are some of the umpires who you got to know over the time that you said to yourself, this guy really knows the rules? And, and that's something we take for granted sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, you mean you mean what managers knew the rules? Not right, what, exactly. Well, Tony was a good one. Uh, Leland was a good one. Uh, Frank Robinson was a good one. Uh, Dick Williams was a good one. And uh, and Dick Williams was he was a he was tough. He didn't he was tough on his players and he was he was tough on the umpire. I don't think a season went by where I didn't have to kick him out for something. But <laughs> the point the point being, uh, uh, and I actually saw Dick in the middle of a game tell Gary Carter to let the ball roll in the dugout so that a Cardinal runner wouldn't score from second base. The ball bounced off Carter's shoulder and was headed to the bench. And Carter, if Carter picks it up, the guy can he's going to score easy. And Dick got up, took his glasses off, set him on the bench, and said, "Let it go, let it go." And so Carter stopped the ball rolling in the dugout, and the, and the runner had to go back to third because he only gets one base on a pitch ball instead of the two bases that he would have had, had Carter picked up the ball. But anyway, uh, guys like that, I mean, they know what's going on. I saw Frank Robinson chew his infield out on an infield fly where they let the ball drop, and the runners ran to the next base, and they didn't tag them. And uh, – they started arguing with the umpire, and Frank came out and started yelling at his own players. If you don't know the rules, don't be talking to the umpires. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, uh, but you have guys like and, and, you know, it's sad to see Tony have to leave because of health conditions. But, uh, you know, he needs to take care of himself, and we, we certainly wish him the best. He was he was a quality manager for a lot of years and, and with a lot of different teams. So. Uh, and I, I think he's glad that he finished with the White Sox because I think they're the ones that gave him his chance to manage the first time. But uh, but he won there, and he won at, uh, in Oakland, and he certainly won with the Cardinals. He was a, a quality quality guy. I, I give him credit, too. He wasn't one of those guys that, that said, I, I know everything about it. I'm not going – because he loved having red Shane Neats around. He loved having that uh, experience around. And he he fed off of guys like Red and Whitey and and um, he he was a, a class act. So uh, I salute uh, Tony for for uh, having a great career that he had, you know, and a Hall of Fame career too. So, well, Joe West, we are out of time for this podcast. Uh, we covered a lot of bases, pardon the pun. And uh, we'll talk some more about postseason as it starts to progress. And it should be a fun postseason. Um, as I look at some of these teams, uh, everybody in this thing can win it. And, and I can't say that about every year we've seen postseason. Uh, I know everybody talks about Atlanta and the Dodgers and, and the Yankees, but there are some teams that are just waiting in the weeds like Houston and Seattle and St. Louis. They could certainly – they get past the first round. It could be very interesting for baseball. Yeah, and, and you know what? They've set this up so that the division winners have the advantage – and the teams with the best record have the advantage. And I don't – well, I, I think it's fair because you're rewarding them for having the best record. But the point the point being, you know, you got to look back on things and say, well, you know what's funny? The San Francisco Giants won the World Series and they were the wild card and so on. And so and you go back mm-hmm. to looking at things like that. Anything can happen if your pitching gets hot. So – you gotta you gotta remember that this it's just not a one dimensional thing, and it's uh, it's it's the greatest sport in the world, and it's typically American, and you got you gotta hit that round ball with a cylindrical bat and hit it square where they can't hit it where they can't catch it. I mean, so. a lot of things to do from the time he releases a pitch. You're absolutely right. Well, we're out of time, folks. We thank everyone for listening. For Joe West, I'm Mike Claiborne. We thank you for listening to the 5460 Podcast, the Joe West Podcast, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Mm
baby took me to the ballpark to see a baseball game. Lord, it had to be at least 99 in the shade. I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she said. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong. Cause if you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. You've been listening to 5460, the Joe West podcast here on the Podcast Heat Network. Make sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode each and every Monday. We'll talk to you next week. She's checking all the signs. While I'm enjoying two of the great American pastimes It's fouling up my nerve watching all these curves Remembering what she said to me And if I get caught looking it's gonna be strike three If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field you're gonna be long gone You better play it safe Don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me You'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field You're gonna be long gone You better play it safe And don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home.